Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? I uh, hope you are having a good week so far. So podcast time. And this week we have Ariel Borjo. I probably messed up his name. Um, Ariel Bourjo. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dude. Um, anyway, Ariel is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a couple of years now. Met him through Justin Martin. He is a mix engineer, producer, um, Grammy winner, Grammy nominated, done some insane stuff over the years. Um, his first job was with puffy in his studios in the 90s and has mixed some incredible artists over the years uh, i love this guy it's a great conversation so without further ado ariel Bourjo. you doing it on logic no so i have a um i have this road it's called the road podcaster oh it's really good man oh dope yeah okay so it comes with everything you need you got the whole got everything yeah i oh. I, I can multi-channel into logic if i want oh it's fucking dope Which right then great. you could tweak it and yeah. whatever but i never do really well and- i require an eighth note delay and a plate on my vocals <laughs> everyone that's just listening right now has just been like what the fuck did he just say and welcome people this is going to be the this is the start of this this conversation it's going to be very much like this i have a feeling <laughs> how's it going dude Man, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I haven't, last time I saw you was at Matt's wedding. That's right, man. That was like, I think that was like the last big gathering I was at, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, That was nearly a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Yeah. That was, that was, that was so much fun. That was like, uh, that was the first time I felt the Texas heat wave, man. That was like a hot, hot weekend. That was hot. And I don't think that is actually that hot. No, everybody was looking at me like we we left our uh, we, we were staying downtown in a, uh, a friend's apartment, and uh, I remember just walking out. And the minute I walked out, it was like I just felt my skin just completely change. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna melt!" And now they're all crazy going down there because they've like don't have power for like three days. Man, and I've been snowing. up since six in the morning reading about this, and it's so crazy. Hello, yo, there we go. We're back. Oh, it was the internet. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Just froze. Uh, it could. I mean, it is snowing here, so uh, it could be that. Yeah, we're we're getting dumped on like another twelve inches on what we already have. Yeah, I was talking to a mate from uh, that lives in Dallas on Instagram last night, and they were moaning that they've run out of firewood and they've not had power for days. And I was like, that's just normal in Detroit. Like, yeah, get used oh, to totally. it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That, I mean, that's like, oh, you guys get it like crazy up in Detroit, man. It's yeah. like. So do you guys. We get this, We get about the same weather as you. It just gets a little no, bit colder. You're actually, you get it more with the further north yeah. in New York. Like, like you guys are probably comparable to like Buffalo or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Because like you, you guys are near the lakes, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Buffalo, guys, Buffalo gets it rough, man. We we don't have as much wind as you. 
in in New York City. Like it's nowhere near as windy um, in Detroit than it is in in New York City at all. Oh, New York City, man. If you walk, like, I remember I lived off of Fifth Avenue, and the minute you got onto Fifth Avenue, like, I was up in Harlem, like, literally the wind would push you on a windy day. It was like, whoo. Yeah, that's, down those abs is just brutal. Just kills you. I miss the city. (laughs) Yeah, man, so do I. How is it? How is New York at the moment? I mean, you know, I've I've done a couple trips by myself into the city, um, I'm about I'm about uh, 45 minutes north. Yeah. Um, so I still dabble here and there, but I don't go. I, I mean, I haven't been on a subway since last year. Why did I think you were in Brooklyn? No, nah, I used to. I had a studio. Uh, okay. I had a studio in Brooklyn in Greenpoint. Oh, that and, was it. Because um, we, we went to Paulie G's and Paulie you were talking G's. about. Yeah. Oh, my God. Paulie G's is the spot. Shout out to Justin Martin for. Well, actually, I got Justin into Paulie G's because we we were working together and he was like, you know, he starts telling me about his like pizza fetish. And I was (laughs) like, okay. I was like, yo, I got the spot to go to. So I remember we the first night we went, I think he was in town for like, I don't know, like five or six days. I think we went like three days to Pauly G's. And after the third day, I was like, bro, like, I can't wake up the way I do. <laughs> it was so crazy. But we're, and then every time he comes to town, that's how we ended up going. We finally met yeah. at Pauly G's, man. That's like, that's like, a, you know. That's like a, a DJ engineer first date spot over there. I think that Justin has kind of curated that as well. From I didn't know it was you that introduced him to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he kept telling me, like, there's a place in Connecticut where he's from, and he was telling me how his pops makes pizza. And I was mm. like, bro, I'm like, this guy is so legit. And then I said to him, I was like, yo, so I, he's like, make a reservation. I was like, I can't, you just got to go there and like, you know, hopefully you get a table. And yeah. he's like, you know, we get there and it was mobbed. And uh, I said, bro, watch, this guy's going to be here. The owner, Paulie G himself, Paulie G goes to every single table yeah. and speaks to everybody. It is like the most unbelievable thing, man. He's a G. I was watching a documentary on him. Uh, what? Yeah. There's, there's like a munchies, like nut chef's night out with him. Oh my God, I got to watch it. Um, dude, it's amazing. And he was, he was, a, I think he was like a banker or like an investment banker in Wall Street and wow. a, like in the stock exchange. And he hated it, but he did it till he was like in his like mid fifties and then was like, stuff it. And then he built a pizza oven in his backyard in his like, he, like nearly 60 years old and that's when he opened Paulie G's. Yeah, cuz he's old, man. And old. this guy goes to every single yeah. table. Have you been to his and slice it, shop? His what? He's got a slice shop. No, you know, I walked by it one yeah. day, man. I don't know. I I, I can't, man. I I got to have that <laughs> fresh for Paulie G, you got to have the fresh pie. There's yeah. no I mean, I'm sure if you're coming out of a bar, it's way better than anything else. So I'll probably give him that, you know, but yeah. he's got this one pie, man, the Hellboy. That's the one we ate, which was like, oh my God. Hot honey, spicy honey. With the honey, spicy honey and the Soprasat, man. That, that shit was like, remember that? We, everybody got their own pie and yeah. then there was more pies coming. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, every time we come out, man, Justin just started. Was Justin ordering. with us that night? Yeah, he was. Is that where we met? 
Yes, I think it was. That's why I said it's it's an it's an engineer uh, DJ producer's first date spot. It is, isn't it? Yeah, very famous for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I miss. I do miss it so much. Every like every time I, I posted a photo on my Instagram last night of me playing a show in um, on, oh my god, is it the Hud? It's the Hudson, isn't it? On the river. Yeah. Um. And the Statue of Liberty was there, and I was just like, oh, I miss New York. I miss living there. I just miss everything, man. I will tell you that it is by far, it's super different, man. Because yeah. you got to, I'm 44, and I moved to the city when I was 18. What year was that? Holy shit. 1996. August uh, of 1996 is when I started recording school. Yeah. In the village. That's and, amazing. Uh, that was, but that was definitely the best year of my life, man. So was my, New York clearing up then? Was it clean then? So no, Times Square was still Times Square, yeah. right? Um, oh, I gotta shut my screen. Damn, I forgot your. Uh, hold on, do not disturb. Um, they, um, I remember at the time, I was living on fifty. So. There's the there's a hotel that's like pretty fancy now. It's called uh, the uh, the Hudson Hotel, yeah, which is on 57th between 8th and 9th on the corner of 9th, really. But the entrance is between. It's like near Central Park, right? Yeah, close, very yeah. close, right next to the 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 big uh, where CNN and all that shit is yeah. right there on Columbus Circle. Yeah. So there used to be this like uh, so in that building back in the day they called it student housing. And there was like old vaudeville like actors and actresses from like the 50s living there like that just like were paying for these rooms. No joke, bro. Like my room, (laughs) I'm not even making this up. So my studio is nine by 12, right? Nine by 12, I'd say. Feet, that is people. That's how big these rooms were. But these people were living for like $250 a month, right? Oh, on in this, in this location. Now, if you went a block over to 10th Avenue at, in 1996, we used to, we used to go uh, uh, rollerblading, yeah. you know? We'd like drink 40s and, you know, <laughs> ride around. <laughs> and uh, it was not, I mean, there was like, you know, there'd be prostitutes like yeah. a few blocks away. Um but it it was just like the best year. So that year, I remember we're in the lobby. I'm with my parents and my buddy. And uh, we see this actor that was really famous even in the 80s. His name was Nipsey Russell. Okay. Nipsey Russell was apparently, if you Google him, he was one of Bill Cosby's writers back in the day. Oh, okay. Nip, Not only Nipsey that, but Russell. he was in the big Broadway with uh, Michael Jackson, The Wiz. He played the Scarecrow, I believe. He played in a movie with Goldie Hawn called uh, Wildcats. Um, like he's real Nipsey Russell. Nipsey Russell, and, nineteen eighteen yeah, yeah. to nineteen eighteen to two thousand and five, uh, was an American comedian, poet, dancer, best known for his appearance on the panelist game show, nineteen sixties to nineteen nineties match game. Rest in peace, Nipsey. I'm going to tell you a story about Nipsey. Nipsey, um, Nipsey was a, uh, we saw him in the lobby and I recognized him and I looked at my, my buddy, Mark, I'm like, yo, Nipsey Russell lives here. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny 
if Nipsey Russell lived next door to us. So they gave us the top floor. It was, I mean, literally we had no kitchen. We used to do the dishes in the bathtub. <laughs> it was so we had a hot plate. Yo, dude bought his seven foot black rat snake. We had like this huge snake in our room. It was with a view of New Jersey in the yeah. water. It was so dope. And you saw the sunset. It was crazy, Amazing. man. We were like, we were slobs. So I would like throw my garbage out the window. Like when I was done eating, I was stupid. And uh, yeah, sure enough, Nipsey Russell lived next door to us, Will. Like right That's next wild. door. And he was just out of his mind, man. Like, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not going to talk about the things that happened in there, but he, he wasn't too happy with us. Yeah. So one, my buddy was dating this girl who was studying abroad in Italy. So he went to visit her and I was alone and he used to bang on the walls when we were like making too much noise. I would have like, you know, after school, I'd have all these MCs come yeah. to my house that I met from the city and we would like just hang out and make music. I had a four track recorder with a drum machine and a guitar. I mean, it was like primitive. Um, and this guy would just bang on the walls. And that one time that I was actually sleeping in my room, he starts banging on the wall at like midnight. I'm like, what does this guy want? And he starts, so I start banging back. I'm like, shut the up, man. I'm like, I'm trying to sleep. Like I was flipping out. And I find out that I go and I start banging on his door. Finally, he wouldn't stop. And it wasn't even these girls come out. And on the other side of him, it was these girls that were throwing a party in their room, man. And this guy's like, I mean, he was just a wacky dude, but it was just a, a strange thing to like first time moving into New York City. And I got this guy living next door and he was paying, I found out, 200 and, 220 something dollars a month. That's so cheap. And, and when he passed, like they told me he had like milk crates and stuff as his furniture. Whoa. Yeah, it was deep, man. Like a bed and milk crates and a TV. That's not good. No, man. It was a weird place. Now it's the fanciest hotel. So yeah. I used to once once a like once a year I'd meet this couple that would stay there and uh friends of mine and when they were in the city and I would always go and take a picture in front of the door with like the number. <laughs> it was like room 2339. It was like 39th apartment, 23rd floor. And it was it was great, man. That first year in the city was you know, oh, but man. Times Square, getting back to Times Square, I got my first job. My first real job was working for Puffy at his studio, which was on 44th between 8th and eighth and 9th. This was... Uh, what year was this? So it's weird. So I graduated. The school was only nine months long. I, yeah. I, I wanted to go to NYU, but then... I spoke to, I went to community college first cause I totally messed up my last year of high school. Like yeah. I, I don't even think I showed up sometimes, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, you know, I told my parents, I'm going to go to community school and this is what I want to do. For some reason, my dad had it in his head. I was going to be an accountant or something because I remember they'd have like job fairs and we'd look at accounting. I'm like, man, I like fail math all the time. <laughs> and one, one year I went to summer school and I got a 98. My parents were so happy. They're like, why couldn't you do this during the year? I'm like, this is the only thing I'm focused on. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if I had ADD or something, but you know, like I was so just good. focused on math. It was easy, you yeah. know? Um, so I went to school, I decided I was going to go to community school, mm -hmm. then get my, get transferred to NYU. And they had a program, a sound technology program, they called it. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, and I've always wanted to do sound since I was eight. Yeah. 
Like I was fascinated. Like remember those old stereos with the equalizers, the double yeah. cassettes, the five CD changer. My grandpa had one with like equalizer. And when mm-hmm. I saw that and I started messing with it, I was like, holy crap. Like <laughs> I could make Barry Manilow sound brighter, you know, like, um, so, um, so I ended up going to, I, I graduated from, I went to this recording school called the Institute of Audio Research, which was the first school, audio school in the country. It opened in 1969, okay. apparently. A lot of guys came through there, like big engineers, like Chris Garinger, the mastering engineer, I believe, was mm-hmm. from there. I mean, there's, it's just like it goes down the line, like, you know, those old school New York guys, a lot of them uh, went there. So I did nine months. My first two weeks in, I got an internship. Um, you know, my music style varies. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hip hop guy, like by heart, but I love, you know, we talked about this, like I'm a closet metal head, man. Yeah. Like I love heavy metal. I love Slayer. I love Metallica. Um, but I'm also into jam bands. So I love, you know, I, I can never get the jam, but of- I don't get the jam band thing. I, Listen, I- bro, hold on a second. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I was, I, I was exposed to, I wasn't, I didn't grow up in like a super, it wasn't a super wealthy area, but there was a lot of kids with money. Yeah. So like a lot of those kids were like, they would just leave for the summer and go follow the dead. And I didn't understand that concept because Mm. my parents were like, you're either going to do something productive or you know, we didn't have money to go to camp. So I go to like a free day sports camp or something, Mm. but you're either going to do something or you're going to get a job and you're going to make money. You know, I mean, I started working, cleaning a, like my doctor's office, who was a family friend on Saturday mornings for $5 an hour. I would just vacuum the joint, you know? (laughs) Um, and, uh, Hold on a second. I'm losing my train of thought here, man, because I'm going deep right now. You're going well um, deep. So we were talking about Puffy, how you started in Puffy and what year it oh, was. Oh, so so it was the whole thing with the school. So I ended up getting, I went after school, I graduated. I ended up going back into, uh, I moved home shortly because I got a job at a big jazz studio. Yeah. And I ended up... Um, getting the gig as a secretary because they didn't have an opening. I worked my way to become friends with the assistant. I became friends with the assistant. That was my first official gig and it Mm -hmm. was close to home. And it was still to this day, the most beautiful studio I've ever been to. It was in the woods and a cat. It Uh, looked like it was a huge stone barn. It was crazy. I mean, sauna, pool, basketball court. It was nuts. Mm. It was residential. So I got fired like seven months later. Why? Right? <laughs> Why did you it, get fired? It's actually a stupid story. So I, they, at the time when you printed mixes, it would be on DAT tapes. If, yeah. For the people who don't know what a DAT tape is, is a digital audio tape. It was the, really the medium we used to print a lot on alongside half inch reel to reel tape machine. So we would have to label the, the master copy in red and the safety copy in green. The green one, I forgot to put the last title on and they fired me for it. Ooh. How deep is that? And I was good too, but I was still young. I couldn't even buy the client's beer. So I, uh, the next day, I didn't tell my parents yet. The next day I, uh, I sent out like 40 something resumes. And the first one was puffy. 
No way. It was Daddy's House Recording Studios. That's what it was called. And I get it. At the time, I had a pager, right? And uh, I see this phone number, and I call. They're like, when can you come for an interview? And I'll never forget this. This was in August. I'm, I remember the heat. Yeah. And I went. And I went to like Banana Republic and bought like a, a like an interview outfit because I man I, I wear t-shirts and you know I'm a jeans and t-shirt guy so I didn't even know so I I show up there for the interview meet with this woman she who ended up still to this day is like a big influence her name was Felicia Newsom she's she was my boss there okay and she was like okay. She's like, I'm going to have you interview with the head engineer here in about four hours. So come back then. And man, I stepped outside, bro. And this is how like, like not realizing how to dress properly. I I just had a button down with no shirt on underneath. And man, I I showed up at the studio sweating, man. Like it was so embarrassing, but I got the gig. I got the gig. That's the main thing. And I got to be honest with you. That took me that experience turned me into like, I went from like a boy to a man pretty quick in the music industry, just from, because you got to remember. And so this going back to what year this was. So this was now ninth. This was six months after Biggie died. Uh, Okay. So I would say, what was that? 97, right? So I don't know. I, I can fact check that. Yeah, fact check that. I believe it was ninety seven because my first credit came out in ninety eight, which would make sense. Yeah, March the ninth, nineteen ninety seven. Great. So this was uh, August of nineteen ninety seven. So okay. less. So everything was still real with yeah, that, proper. right? So I got the job there. And they were like, you're going to be a GA, which was a general assistant. It was me and these two other kids. And uh, I've had already assisted. So I I knew how to hook things up. So one day, I'll never forget this. I'm in like the the, the main area. And all of a sudden, the door opens and Heavy D pops his head out. And he was like, yo, anyone know how to hook up a microphone here or something (laughs) like that? And I was like, yeah. And apparently, the assistant didn't show up. He he got sick. Yeah. So they were like, do you know how to do this? And I'm like, yeah. And I got put on. I I mean, I'm used to doing jazz groups with like 40 microphones. They're asking me to set up one microphone for a vocal. I mean, shit. (laughs) So I'm like, I did it. And the rest is is history. Like, I just, I was there for a while on and off. Like, I even had left there. And they would still call me to come assist sessions because I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And I knew the rooms like the back of my hand. Mm. Like I knew the SSL console. Yeah. I knew the Neve console. I knew that both of their automations like inside and out. So I was useful to them and they knew it. And I gave a shit because I was one of the only people that went through there that didn't want to become a producer or an artist. Mm. I like legit, you know, if Tony Maserati was there, and I was assisting Tony, mm. that shit was like school for me, man. Yeah. Like I, I sat there with like a pad and a pencil and I wrote notes, man. I still have all my notes in my closet man, from that. like 96 with the sticker of 
bad boy records on it you know so cool man so what was, was what was your first credit let's in fact let's explain what a credit is first so a credit is is your recognition for working on the product and how does that the, get shown the art so at the time as an engineer, you always start as an intern and then as an assistant engineer. And mm -hmm. when you work as an assistant engineer, that's usually the staff position at the studio. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's staff is because you get paid like shit, right? <laughs> and your job is to make the room functional, good. And when things go wrong, you're, you're able to deal with it without yeah. disrupting the session. Mm -hmm. That's the job, yeah. which means that there's hours of reading manuals because you needed to know the equipment. Yeah. So I would take the subway and use that time to read the manuals. Um, and then the first, so the credit would read for me, my first credit was in 1998 and it was for the group total, the R and B group. And it was on their second album. And my name was all over that as an assistant engineer. That's amazing. And I remember that I, how hard that those first few months were at Puffy's because you, this is what I was going to get to. And it leads to this. He was the biggest thing on the planet in hip hop at the yeah, time. Yeah, He was huge. So I, I got thrown into the, like into the cage at that point. Yeah. Right. And I definitely, um, I definitely had it rough in the beginning. Mm. Like I got tested a lot. You know what I How mean? How so? <laughs> uh, you're dealing with egos. I'm yeah. really good at answering this. You're not going to get too much out of it. I'm not. But, I, yeah. I don't want. I know you don't yeah. want too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I um. So the only way I can describe it, Puffy would never come during the day. Yeah. Puffy would deal with his business during the day. Mm -hmm. Puffy would usually come at night. After nine o'clock, let's say, yeah. I mean, when I say after nine, it could be like nine o'clock. It could be three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You're waiting. You don't know. And he would come to either approve a mix, listen to what this producer's doing in this room. There was three studios at the mm -hmm. time. So um, during the day, though, when Puffy's not around, you are dealing with 13 Puff Daddies or more. Yeah. The minute Puffy comes, you're only dealing with one Puffy, and that Puffy doesn't really care too much for you, yeah. in a sense, because he's dealing with the bigger fish in the room. Yeah. So it was a much different dynamic. So during the day was rough, man. People would ask you to do things like, there'd be like, I mean, I would say this, like, this is easy. So someone would walk in with like 15 dudes in an entourage, right? And all these dudes are on the couch. They're fucking, you know, they got the Henny popping. Yeah. They got their, you know, people are smoking blunts. Like everyone's just chilling out, having a good time. And I'm helping the engineer and the producer, instead of asking one of his boys, like, yo, can you run out and grab me McDonald's? He would, he would ask me. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, at, and I look, I was getting paid by the studio. Yeah. You know, I was like 21, 20 years old. I don't even remember. And I was like, I'm cool, you know, like I'll do whatever. And sometimes just to get out, I love New York City, man. Yeah. Just to be outside was great because this studio had no windows whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, I'd go out. And then after a while, one day my, my, my boss, Felicia, pulls me to the side and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, such and such asked me to go to McDonald's. She's like, no, you're not going to McDonald's anymore. She's like, you go tell him that I told you 
that you're not going to McDonald's and to have one of his lazy ass friends on the couch, go get him McDonald's. I'm like, I'm not saying that, but you know, so that was it. And those like little things like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, like just crazy things. So like, you know, you just got tested and you, 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 I, I, I went from like being this like suburban kid who, no, I had a good childhood. Like I had a great childhood actually, you know, but then when you started dealing with the, the kids with money that are following the dead and shit like that, that's how I got into jam bands. Um, you know, it was, uh, it, you went from being a suburban kid to being like in the middle of the roughest shit I for always, a minute. And I, I don't mean with crime or anything. It was yeah, like you yeah, saw yeah. the music industry. Yeah, of course. Full blast. Yeah, yeah. Like something you should see 10 years down the road. I always find it because you're, you're, although what you do is is a massive art in itself, but mixing down before, before anyone, if, 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 People don't know who you are. You're you are a mix engineer, right? Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> we didn't get past that bit. I ain't ju- I ain't just your boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there there are egos in studios. Oh God, that's most of the job is you're dealing with egos, and that that's not a negative thing actually. All the time, you know, like there's egos when people are assholes, and that ego, and then there's egos. And this isn't a bad thing. This you learn. This is part of the art of 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 being a good, not just a mixer, but no. just a good. You learn that stuff. I came up being in the room with producers, not the artists mostly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the thing about Puffy is he had a team of producers called the Hitmen. Mm-hmm. They were the guys making all the music, and I was just simply with them all the time. So it'd be like this one needs to record, and then Pro Tools came out. We started adopting Pro Tools like before I even knew what to do. Yeah. So I, they'd be like, this one needs to get into Pro Tools, and I had to learn how to get audio into Pro Tools because nobody knew how to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and you're dealing with the ego of the most sensitive form of expression that Mm. this human being is giving so there's a fine line that you're walking without overstepping and being like i know more than you yeah you know because you can't be like that you know this is their art and you're just facilitating and helping them with their art yeah it's really it's really interesting because being a producer slash engineer for me when i'm in the studio with other people for i know we spoke about this on the phone the other day um, with Rick Rubin, uh, talking about Rick Rubin and kind of just general producers. And I speak about it quite a lot with friends and also on the podcast here is that like it's producing or engineering or doing anything with real musicians, real artists that are just purely, and I don't, I'm not saying that being a producer, being an engineer isn't an artist because it is, it's part of the art, but the actual performer side of it. So the singer, the instrument players, the rappers, whatever they are, I find that being the producer is such a key. You play such a big part in that, in that session without anyone knowing, because you are literally the person that you're kind of the referee. That's, and that's, it's funny because I learned that side of it from Puffy. Yeah. Puffy does not make beats. Everyone at the time, everyone was so concerned, like he doesn't make beats. Mm. I'm like, but you know what he does? He has 
eight producers to choose from. He yeah. knows the strengths of every single one. This one is stronger with the R&B, but his yeah. drums aren't aggressive. So if you get this guy to do the drums and this guy to do the music, you smack those two together. Now you get what I'm hearing in my head. Yeah. And Rick Rubin is kind of the same thing. He just orchestrates. That's what he's doing without Rick, really orchestrating. Rick can write beats as well. Well, we know that, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I to me, that's what he's doing now, currently. And I've been following, you know, I, I don't know if people here can see this, like my obsession with... with it's with, the best with, t-shirt ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a few. So, like, it's... um, Rick was really the reason I got into this, man. Like, I discovered in 1986 in my friend's backyard while we were, like, playing ball or something, someone played run dmc and then slayer yeah and i was like this is so cool both of them are aggressive forms of art yeah what is this shit and uh then i found out that some you know white jewish kid from long island was doing it yeah and i was like what the f and then i then i learned about Russell Simmons and I was like, these two guys are partners. I'm yeah. like, what Def Jam? And that's how it all came. And learning from God, like I, I eventually would love to get into that side of it. I had a chance to do it in 2019 with a rock band. They're really like a, a, a Celtic rock. It's like a team of all-star musicians mm. that created a group. I mean, they do like, you know, they play 65,000 people festivals Damn. and things like that you know, in Europe. And, um, they flew me out to France. I've always mixed their albums. And he was like, we want you to, we want you to produce. And I'm like, great. And I show up at this massive studio and like this, where was it? It was Southeast right on the coast. So we got fresh oysters and stuff like that. And I, it was just like the wet, it was the, it was really, I've seen this process when I was an assistant, I was never, a part of this type of process. I mean, I was a little bit, but this was like, we had a chef, we had this, and I got to really relax yeah. and do things where like, once everyone went to bed, I would grab the guitar player and be like, Hey man, you want to knock out some guitars? Let's mm. add, let's do some ideas. And I would do things like, he'd be like, okay, let me double that. Yeah. And I'd be like with the same guitar and amp. And he'd be like, well, what do you suggest? I'm like, well, why, why don't we try the Les Paul running through, like, you know, uh, a Fender here yeah. to give it a little crunchier sound. And when you pan those, now the engineering part talks, yeah, the yeah. mixing, when you pan those left and right, you'll get a sense that there's two different guitars, but it'll give it, like, a nice uh, uh, color. Mm. And he was like, oh, that's interesting, you know, let's do that. And, you know, it was cool. We would do, like, that's that I was loving that and yeah. eventually it would be great to move into that. And I made beats too back in the day. That's a whole, cause like I was in the game. Cause I guess the thing is, is when you're doing production, producing and engineer and you're like kind of bringing the engineer side of things in, you're actually kind of creating the sound for, for that artist as well. You well, as an engineer, will you cut, you actually think about it. The end, most mostly when you walk into a studio there's an engineer so mm. you go there to record vocals let's say right yeah so many vocal sessions and all of a sudden you start asking the engineer any what do you hear yeah do you think i should double it yeah why don't you double and add like a low harmony here yeah, but just yeah. one so it carries the pre-chorus a little bit and then you start next thing you know you're producing and i've i did that for like 
15 years straight. Yeah. You know, I had like some, you know, at one point, New York, when hip hop was like hip hop here and I was getting off the puffy thing, every underground and like known underground artist, I was working with them in just about everywhere in the city. That's amazing, man. Yeah, it was a good time. I want to talk about Grammys. Okay. I don't know how much I can talk about it, but, you know, because they are a little bit hush. But, yeah, let's go. Oh, are they hush, hush? I didn't know that. A little bit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I know that, like, I heard a story that little Wayne, like, posted a video of him drinking out of his Grammy and they stripped his Grammys. Oh, really? <laughs> and then everybody was like, what? Like, it's his Grammy, though. Like, you know? What, um... Have you won Grammys or have you been nominated? I've been nominated a lot. Yeah. And I won one weird Grammy that I didn't know I won. <laughs> and who is that for? Actually, well, it actually fell into place the year that my son Noah was born. Oh, amazing. So why it was weird if he wasn't born, I kind of felt like this was like a... Uh, like an omen. I worked on this project. So I used to, I used to be part of this collective in uh, Manhattan mm -hmm. um, at a studio. And we had a, we had a room there that a lot of jazz guys like coming to because it had like a big, it was actually if, for any jazz heads out there, this was uh, Ornette Coleman's original studio. Okay. It was one of the most famous saxophone players of all time. Yeah. Um, and he, they, I worked on this project. This guy came in. Um, I can't remember his name, but he produced a bunch of like, like children's albums. Yeah. And he got this famous singer from Colombia to come. I, I think her name was Marta Gomez was her name. And all these ridiculous jazz players. So I'm saying like, I got to set this up and I got to make it natural and headphones got to be right. I did this project for about a week, track, mixed, all that, didn't think anything of it. And one day I get an email like, hey, uh, did you ever get your Grammy? I'm not kidding you. <laughs> so I had my, one of my boys was working at the Grammys at the time. So I hit him up. I'm like, yo, D, I'm like, I got this letter and they're claiming I won a Grammy. What is this? And they're like, what for? And it was best children's album of the year. No way. And that was the year my son was born. And it kind of like all fell. But what's funny is how left field it is because all my nominations have come from hip hop. Yeah. You know, like all of them, like it was destined to be a hip hop Grammy. And it was this. Um, <laughs> and it was but a it jazz children's a, album. I just got used to like albums you work on being nominated yeah. and just losing. Like yeah. I just, but I never really looked at it. Like I'm not one of these people that like my worth is not a Grammy. You know what I mean? Because Grammys like, man, you could record an ad lib on a, on an, on a like album and be eligible for a Grammy. Yeah. You know, like if you, if that album wins, you win, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's the, the personnel, you know, yeah. that's working that recorded an ad lib, you know, a year earlier, get it. So, you know, but it was actually like, I just felt like, you know, uh, I think I'm pretty, I'm, I have some spiritual in me. So I was like, eh, may, not, not religious, obviously. I mean, not obvious, but, <laughs> um, but I'm definitely, uh, I believe that happened for a reason. 
Um, and then, you know, after that, I started getting, you know, more involved with the Grammys. They, they reached out and started getting more involved with me because then, you know, you have a worth now. Yeah. And, um, this, let's, and, let's talk about that because it's so strange. Um, like I, I would, I wouldn't lie. Like I'd love to get a Grammy one day. I'd absolutely love to. The likelihood is very slim, but I'd absolutely love to. And, but it gives you, it does in this industry. It's not slim, man, because they are like really trying to in, embrace the whole. And when I say electronic culture, I'm talking about like eventually sub subcategorizing like different genres. So yeah. there's going to be way more opportunity. Hopefully one day. Um, but I think the thing that I like about it is that it's so rare. It's so hard to get one. Um, it is. And, and I think it, I think... When you least expect it, you win. Yeah, exactly. It's, that's that's life, though, isn't it? When you when you, I find that when for me, when I kind of get to the point where I don't care, and I don't think that's the right thing to say, is like I, that I don't care. But it's like when I've held my hands up and been like, okay, it will happen when it happens, if it happens. And this is anything in my career. The minute I do that, something happens. Of course, always, man. Because it's I I live by always expect the unexpected. Yeah. That's my, I, I live by that. So it's, it's, I could see why, but for me, like, I just know that it's, it doesn't defy me and that, yeah. you know, it doesn't define me in any way. Um, but I, getting back to what ended up happening, I ended up getting really involved with the Grammys and currently they, I, I've been now for almost two years. I'm the, they, so they have these chapters in the major cities called the, the producer and engineer wing. Yeah. And I'm actually the co-chair of the New York one, oh, which no is, way. you know, it's know a that. big honor. So it's dope, you know, and I love it because there's all my peers and like, you know, it's nice to talk shop with people yeah. and, and it's just a lot of fun, man. I, I, I enjoy it. It's a good group of people. And, you know, when everyone's like, Oh, New York is dead. I'm like, fuck are you talking about man unless wall street leaves new york's not dead yeah like what are you talking about you know like there's still money here of course um but it's cool you know like i mean there there's definitely like weirdness that people think about it but like i i i always tell people like get involved with it you know what yeah. i mean like get involved because you you know it's to me that's power numbers and then you know you're it's like it's it's almost like politics you know what i'm saying yeah, one hundred percent. It is really the whole yeah. industry. The whole industry is that. How have you found it? Because um, I know you you work from home or your studio is in your in your house. Yeah. Um, how have you found it during coronavirus with like not actually being able to do sessions with people and things like that? Do you often do sessions with people? That's or? a great question. No, I don't. I okay. haven't done set. The last time was when I went to France. Yeah. And the time before that was eight years earlier in a oh, studio damn. in Brooklyn recording a band. And uh, I've been remote mixing now, even from the only two artists that came to the studio I can remember to mix was Justin Martin mm -hmm. and Moon Boots. Those are the only oh, okay. two people that were in, in the studio with me. Otherwise everything was remote from then. And that was the big decision to move out of the city and buy a place because I just felt like the other side was that I was like commuting from Harlem to yeah. Brooklyn and my kid was just born and I would 
just get to put him to sleep because I would try to leave early to get back by seven 30 to put him to bed. Like just became a thing. And I've always dreamed when I was a kid, I was around so many divorced engineers Mm. and I was like, I don't want to be that dude. Like these guys were miserable, miserable people, man. Like you can't even imagine like miserable. Well, I think people forget that the engineers and the assistants and everything like that, they're there before the artist get in and leave and, after and the leave artist. after and the next day and at the end of the day you're there for as long as the artist wants to be there if if there's a studio i use in london um red rooms and yeah oh, i've heard of it actually it's great maloko yeah. maloko uh red rooms some of the rooms in there are beautiful um and but yeah like they they might have two sessions a day and that starts one starts at nine thirty in the morning and ends at six PM and then the next one starts at eight PM and goes on till three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And they're like the engineers that have to be there the whole time. Yeah, that's that's the grind, you know? Like people just they don't understand that, mm. man. That nobody does. I mean, we're definitely like the the least I mean, I always knew it was a you know, it was that kind of job. Yeah, of course. I didn't wanna, you know, even just getting into doing a podcast and you know speaking at events and stuff that wasn't what i was striving for when i started but then i realized i people were saying you're good you're good at explaining things and i'm like really because i'm not technical i'm really not i just learned from doing and messing up and then i just found a niche for it and i you know now the engineering world is just much different there's Mm. you know it's almost like education you know, back in the day, those were guarded secrets. Yeah, of course. Unless you assisted. And then what happened was you became friends with assistants from other studios and you'd find out this engineer worked. They'd be like, yo, what does he do on his master bus? Yeah, How yeah. much compression is he using? And you would ask <laughs> these questions and that just popped into my head. I, I forgot doing that. Like, you know, there used to be this guy, Andy Wallace. He's still around. He makes like Nirvana, Nevermind. Yeah. Like, I mean, the biggest rock records. And, um, I remember the first time someone I knew someone that met his assistant because he was like super quiet about his work. And I was like, what does he do? He's like, <laughs> he mixes everything on the SSL, uses no outboard gear, two delays and an AMS reverb and the SSL compressor. That's his entire mix. And I was like, there's no freaking way. And years later to this day, if you, find things online that's his that's his technique it's ear panning volume a couple reverbs one one reverb two delays and that's the whole mix and you're just like oh my god man and that's when you realize that you can have all the fanciest gear but this guy ain't doing nothing dude it's so amazing i and this is like kind of a bit this is for the musicians heads out there or the producer heads like there's going to be some people that this conversation is going to go right over their head which is fine um but there's something about for me as i wouldn't call myself like i don't know what i'd call myself because i do a bit of everything but i'm not a master of any of them if you know what i mean and it's like i've been in the studio with a mix engineer a guy called steve dubs i don't know if you've heard of him um he does a lot of moby stuff he does um chem- all of chemical brothers kind of records and oh like i think you mentioned him a long time ago to me and i googled him and i went down the rabbit hole of finding all this yeah he's great um he did he did a record of mine that's not actually out 
Um, so he mixed it down. And I was just amazed just in the studio, just watching. I literally just watched him. I didn't really comment on anything. And he had an SSL desk in front of him. And it, I'm not of the era of desks. Like I learned on a desk, but I say I learned on a desk. I was probably taught about um, three weeks of how to use a desk and it was like a digital desk it wasn't anything special it was just like i didn't really know what the fucking hell i was doing yeah um and still wouldn't and i'd love to learn but it's just an art of watching somebody that when you don't have a clue it's like watching like an amazing pianist like for me an engineer in the studio that knows exactly what they're doing is is just like that and it's like how do they know this this is like I mean, a it, secret. It's, it's also the fact that the engineers are the most comfortable in a in a studio environment. Yes, nervous. When you're the artist, for me, because I'm like, I should know what he knows uh, or what she knows. Um, and I get nervous being the like artist side because I'm like, I should know that. Why don't I know that? Listen, when I was early in my career, man, I'd get nervous every session. Once I started recording... I got really, really nervous before yeah. every session, like almost anxiety nervous. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Because of the pressure of knowing that their idea that they're trying to put down on tape at the time or yeah. a little later Pro Tools is in your hands. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure to that. Yeah. People don't understand how much pressure it is because if you're not good, and you're not fast enough with punching in and out and things like that. Imagine yeah. on tape. On tape, there's no command Z, motherfucker. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you erase. You're like, uh, hey, I just cut off this word. Can we just go back a little and fix that word, too? And if you're doing that five times in a row, the artist is going to be like, yo, you're messing up my flow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of pressure that mounts to sitting in that chair. And mm. they made that clear to me like early on they're like you think your job is hard sit in this chair you think it's all glamorous Th watch the pressure when all eyes are on you yeah you just sit in the corner as an assistant you're good if everything's working and everyone's quiet that's your job yeah you're done yeah and there is that's the pressure man but i i was like that for years and now i'm just like eh you know, I, maybe it's age. Yeah. Maybe I'm is. wiser now, you know, and a lot of these guys that I'm working with, like, you know, they're in their twenties and I'm, you know, I'm damn near old enough to, well, almost old enough. I don't want to say that. <laughs> well, I think to it's be their dad. I think it's also confidence at the end of the day is, is that you, I think life experience just takes you through and you kind of realize that it's not that important. And, no, and, and, that happened for me too late in life. It didn't happen for me until until Noah. Okay, that's interesting. I was yeah, like once Noah came in, maybe about a year of getting acclimated to your new mm. life, you know. Um, then I started realizing that my patience for people to engage with like people became less. Like mm. I just try to get your point and move on and you yeah. know it's 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 just your patience goes down because you have more patience for your kid that's where your patience needs to that's the that's just the new york life as well right 
I mean, I, not really. <laughs> I was a real patient guy. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I move fast, but yeah, I'm still patient. No, I think, I think, um, with like the nerves thing for me, it's just like, I used to get nervous all the time, DJ, like all the time. Really? Did like, you were you were you like Eminem in the bathroom puking like no, in eight mile? No, no, I would never. Sh- I would never show it. <laughs> that was a- that was that was after the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I guess it's just doing it over and over again. Like very rarely, like very rarely, I get nervous now. Yeah, repetition. You yeah. go out. It's like, it's like the first time that I, the, I used to get really nervous when I had to speak in front of people. Yeah, like because I thought I was an introvert, mm. and after a while, man, I I don't even prepare when I do like, uh, you know. I love that you thought classes. you were an introvert. <laughs> I did. I really did for a long time. That was the whole reason I didn't want to become an artist or a DJ. Yeah. Or, I just didn't want to be in front of people. Mm. That was really the the reason. Yeah. I get that. Uh, of course. I just, you know, and now I just I have no choice. Yeah. So I Sometimes guess. Sometimes get paid. You get paid better to speak than to mix half the time. That's, you know? that's weird. That's super weird. Yeah, that is weird. That's super weird. How does it work with like paying for like for people that don't know with like mix downs and things like that? Obviously, I like. Do you. Do people like do you work on like overall projects or like how does it work? I know how it works, but for for people I mean, that don't it, know, it, it's a good question. It depends. Um, you know, you'll get the people that call you for singles, right? Yeah. Um, or you'll get the full project. Mm. Uh, and the way that I usually do it because you don't know how long a mix could take. A mix could take anywhere from four hours to like a few days, depending mm. on the song. So the way that I do it and the way that I've been doing it is especially we'll even talk about the independent community because the major labels is a much different thing. I got to wait 60 to 90 days for payment. I can charge a a much higher rate. Um, There's more work that comes with that because now you got to deliver an exuberant amount of stems and all these passes and high resolution passes. Stupid. Yada, yada. But, um, with independence, I started to treat the independent community more like the la- major labels where I would charge a flat rate. Mm. So they're like, okay. And it helped that you have your room because what happens is I can work whenever I want. Yeah. Meaning that, you know, I can work on, I don't know how many mixes mm. a week and just hop around if I want, you know, uh, if I'm bored with this, I go to this. And when I say bored, not that the song's bad, but after a while you're like, okay, I got to get out of here. So let me go to this world for a yeah. bit and you start moving around. Um, so I usually, the way that I do it is I do like a seven to 10 day turnaround mm-hmm. and they get a real, they get a great rate. Yeah. And then I give two rounds of revisions because I feel like with revisions, I'm confident that when I get the rough mix, I can match it and then take it to the next level. Yeah. And usually with the changes, there might be like a good engineer because engineering mixing is not about like making it sound good. It's about making it feel good. Right. Mm. There's a certain emotion in the record that you're trying to convey. Right. Like that's part of the artist and producer's uh, emotion. So you have to find what that emotion is and enhance that. You know what I mean? Um, 
And so basically, by the end of the day, first round may be the most changes, and usually it's not a hell of a lot. Um, and depending on the experience of the artist, usually the least experienced artist will send you like a like a laundry list of notes. And when you end up going through it, you realize that it's really the production, not the mixing, because yeah. now they hear their song amplified in a sense with frequencies not clashing and mm. things and everything's clear. And you're like, oh, that 808's out of tune or that kick is out of tune or the yeah. snare doesn't is out of tune. You know, you don't realize that, you know, because they're just adding things and don't realize the sound design aspect of yeah. it. Um, and then you send that first round and the second round should be like, okay, this is cool. Can we notch this up one more dB? And then you print and you're done. And that's that's my process. And what's really cool is I work virtually so I basically, the way that I do it, and this is my method, is when I send them the mix, usually when I'm done with the mix, I'll hit up the artist and I'll mm -hmm. be like, hey, do you want a quick listen before I print? I just want your first initial gut thoughts yeah. before I print. So by the time you get it, you've already heard it once yeah. and you made your quick change. And I'm not talking about sitting there like, let's listen to that chorus 50 times and decide. I'm saying, go with your gut, listen to it once or twice. Say, Oh, vocal could come up. Da -da 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 -da. Okay. Yeah. Print. And then they sit with it for a day or two. Then they get back to me and we get on zoom and I use this app, uh, this plugin called audio movers, Yeah, it was great. which is, it's so great. I mean, you could stream it 32 bit, quality at this point yeah. wave and i basically send them everything uh the link we get on zoom i share my screen like there they can see my entire mix mm. they can listen to it with less than a second of lag depending on the internet and uh and that's how i've been working and it's great it's like if we were mixing right now and it's it's amazing they can be like hey what did you do to the kick let me see can you come down on the pull tech a little bit on the low end? And you're yeah. just like, wow, that's kind of fresh. Or if you want, they can take, you can take over their, they can take over your screen and do it themselves. Oh, really? Yeah, man. That's amazing. I didn't know yes. you could do that. So it's like another level for, to work. And I think it's a great way to work. Yeah, man. That's interesting. And mm -hmm. you don't have to leave your house. No, nah, bro. That's amazing. No. How, how many times do you get really annoying artists though? that just want changes left, right, and center all the time? No, actually not. Those are uh, those are rare. Really? Believe it or not, yeah. Is yeah. that because you're working like, with high-quality artists? It's no, not always, you know? Like, it depends what people... I, I pride myself in speaking with the producer first, mm. always. I have to have a... Even when the label, when a major label sends me a mix... I the, like particularly one A and R and I have at RCA have a really, really dope relationship. Mm. He knows already. Here's the song. I'm going to connect you to such and such. Yeah. And I need to have that initial conversation with them mm. because the conversation itself is the vibe. Like no, you, you, you're, you talk to them, you get the vibe, you shoot the shit. You don't even have to talk about music f mm. if you don't want, just get the vibe. And then you say, Hey, so what's the direction of this? What, what do you hear? Where, yeah. where do you think it needs to come up? Well, you know, you have that conversation, then everyone's at ease, mm. you know, like nobody has to get to know each other after I send the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So they already know my intention from the conversation. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I, uh, I did. I was speaking to my mastering engineer 
um, a couple of weeks ago, and he a guy called Andy. He's really great. I don't know if you don't know if you know him. Andy, what, where's he from? Uh, AMPM. His um, his company's called AMPM Mastering. Oh, I know this. They 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 do like stem mixing, mastering, or something like that. Yeah, he does. He does some mixing, or he, yeah, he does do mixing. Um, he mixed down one of my records that's coming out in a couple of months. Um, and he's, he's really, really talented, but he's, I, I was talking to him cause I, I did a, I did a mix down for a friend the other day and it, the, the original, it was a hard work mixing down cause it was more so it wasn't just mixing. It was more everything else. Um, you know, when well, you- that's the issue, that's what you guys do, because if you're, you're a producer mindset, man. Yeah. So your, your attack is much different than mine. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's good. Some, uh, that's actually good. A lot of the times. Yeah, it was, it was hot. It was, it was hard. You know, when you like, for me, I really wanted to help my mate out and they are like newer to producing but they've written this amazing record. The concept of the record was great. And then I didn't want to actually go in and rewrite it, but everything was just like not that well done. Not, and it's not that the vibe was great, but it was more so the like technical side of it. Just none of it worked because it was what you were saying, just everything added on top, added on top, added on top. And the minute you kind of put it into a project and kind of let it breathe, there was just too much of everything. There was no breathing. Exactly. Um, and then I sent that to the mastering and they were like, you're like losing everything stereo when it goes into mono. And I was like, I didn't even think of that because I don't think of that because when I produce well, also people are adding a lot of wideners and widening things. And what you don't understand what, what the, what people really don't grasp, the further you move things out left and right. Yeah. The less dense your mix sounds mm-hmm. because now you're pushing things. And a lot of times what mastering guys are doing is they tighten up the middle yeah. by shelving the lows off the side. So yeah. if you had all of this stuff that's living out here, you know, once you start bringing it in, all of a sudden your middle fills up with yeah. like the nice, I always tell people, start your mixing with levels and panning. That's it. If you move things around, even by like two or three clicks, that mm-hmm. could make the world of a difference to opening something up. Yeah. Cause what, uh, this person had done, it literally everything, like everything had widener on. Oh, and I didn't even think about it until, I, the mastering engineer was like, dude, they've done something to this. And I was like, oh, wow, everything. It-. So like, I then had to go and fix those. So then you're, you're like switching everything from mono and then you're doubling, doubling it up and then clicking it left and right so it's not just mono. I, it was a mess, but eventually got there. And I'm like, I don't want to be a mix engineer ever again <laughs> after helping one thing I mean- out. But as a mix engineer, you're you're just you're coming at it from like a uh, like a neutral ground. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like such a specific thing why you're coming there. You know what I mean? I had a lot of friends that are producers that have mixed on the side that have a really hard time mixing other people's music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I would love to learn how to. It's 
It's great, man. E, I, t- I encourage everybody who makes music to learn how to speak mixed language. Mm, yeah. It only helps you. It's, it's going to enhance. I, when I used to teach, I, I would tell my students, like, learn. You need to learn how to speak the language because eventually you may not mix, but you may tell, you may be working with a, a mixer and you can let them know exactly what you want mm. with less words by knowing how to communicate in the language of mixing, yeah. you know, and it's great. And then it also helps them out with sound design. You start learning mixing and you start incorporating these cause really it's basics. You know what I'm saying? Like I always tell people the basics is what you, you come down you end up with all this fancy schmancy stuff you can add, but if you can get your basics down in your mix from the jump, all the other stuff is what you spend the hours on, not the basics. Do you know what I I really want to do is like get, I want to like buy a mixer, a proper mixer and like an analog one. Yeah. Like an analog one. You better have that electric, uh, the utility money for that, man. Is it expensive? I don't even want, like, you want to get an SSL? I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to get like, own, like a small, I don't want to yeah. get the like 64 okay. channel. Oh, you're talking about like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh, the AW, the, they have an AWS uh, 900, the SSL. They, they have a couple. SSL has some good, good lines for like, uh, I don't know, in the small. 20. You know what's really dope actually is the API, the box. Yeah. Uh, the lunchbox. No, it's a console. Oh, really? Yeah, bro, look it up. API the box console. API uh, the box. Yeah. Console. You know who has one? Steve Angelo has one. If you, okay. I've watched a couple videos with 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 that in there. You should look into that because it's got some nice mic pre's that if you have some like synths I see behind your head right there to your over your shoulder you can throw those into the api pre's crunch them out do some gnarly shit with it you know and then you have summing on there and comp- uh, bus compression see and i yeah. think it's like 20 grand i have to save some money for that no i hear you bro. i'm just giving <laughs> you i mean it still is it's the cheapest cool. option if you're going into that route it's not that it's not that expensive it's 16 grand uh, so i was off 16 grand that's what I'm saying. It's really yeah. dope. I mess with it at Nam one year. It's okay. dope. I'm just not. I I'm so far removed from analog. Like I'm trying to become you all more digital. digital. So I'm all digital, bro. So what's the what's the reasoning behind that? Uh, easy. Yeah. Um, the future. Ease, but ease doesn't mean lazy and like. There's no discussion. Plug-in technology has 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 matched analog technology as far as i'm concerned you know it's it's pristine um also being the dad you know like i want to travel you know so what i i wanted to do was build a badass laptop system Mm. that basically lives to my right here yeah um and uh you know i could show a little bit that's my rack so i could i put it on a hinge dock i take it right back out you know what I mean? And I, I basically, at that point, I have a UAD Apollo. Um, I bring the UAD Apollo. I have this thing here. I'll show you. This is actually a converter. You're going to be like, what? This is actually, 
you should look into this. It's like a hundred bucks, and it sounds money. Is it better than the Apollo converters? It's different. This is for this just goes in as USB. It's called oh, okay. the Dragonfly. Yeah, and it goes up to ninety six K. Damn. And it's like an audio file, and it's just a headphone jack. Oh, interesting. Oh, is that no, if you're no on the? Dr- Listen to me. No driver. It automatically gets detected. Like if you use the output of like at a gig or something, and mm. you use this, I've lent this to uh, my boy uh, Sid. Yeah, the DJ. He used this a few times. Mm. That's why it looks like this. He's probably gonna watch this, so I'm gonna show him. Look what you did to my fucking shit, bro. Come on, Look at Sid. that. Get him a new one, bastard. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, yo, this thing is the bomb though, man, for traveling. Like you don't have to lug like a, you know, one of these big clunky things. So I just have that. I have two satellites from UAD, the travel ones. Why do you have two? Huh? Why do you have two? Two? Yeah. More power, G. I'm a mix engineer. Yeah. So badass. And then I got these, uh, uh, head audio headphones that you can kind of see the thing right there. That and I bring these as like my NS tens, which is literally the setup I have. Yeah, my NS tens and my head audio. What's what's the, what's the heads like? I was looking at them. Yo, yo, big shout out to Freddie who owns the company. I, I'm actually that's who I got a call. I, I got a call with him after, but they're dope, man. Like I met Freddie in 2018 mm. at Nam, and I got introduced to him. And uh, we've just become friends and have been talking. And um, finally, like right when the pandemic hit me, he's like, I'm going to send you a pair of these. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And I got these and I've been using them since last, since I'd say April. Yeah. And they are absolutely stunning. I can't say anything else. Like the type 20s is the ones I have. And they're just like, they're three way. So Uh, they're just sick yeah because i've i've always used the adam adam it's A7. The same, so his father his father is the one who uh invented the the, the that ribbon tweeter yeah, technology ribbon tweet. uh, okay i didn't know that he was his dad because i knew yeah. they were kind of like related uh, no they, they are related uh, okay. <laughs> as related as they come i i was looking because i in my studio in detroit i have to get a bigger pair of monitors um, because my room's too big for the for the speakers. Oh, Freddie loves electronic. I'll, I'll I'll hook you guys up. He's cool. Yeah, that, I if I was talking. I'll definitely link you. I up. was talking to their Instagram person, whoever their Instagram person was, ages ago. Um, it was probably him. Freddie. Yeah, it may have been Freddie um, Knopp. He's really cool because they've just they've they not just but like they've done the stack, the like big ass. The sp- I know they have them in Brooklyn. My boy has it in, in his live room uh, at uh, it's called the Bridge Studios. Okay. They have it in their in their live room. Like if you want to demo them, I, I haven't heard them yet. But from what I hear, it's the ones. pretty. Yeah, I was looking at Barefoots because I think for me, Barefoots for like for the club side of things for electronic is they're they're great. They're like low end is is very nice. Um, the heads. Do you do do you do much electronic now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say my work gets split between electronic and pop. Okay, I love mixing pop records. Yeah, yeah, Make it clean like, baby. Huh? Making it clean. I mean, no, not really. I actually my mixing style is dirty. Yeah, 
Like I do my mixing is I would say like 60% of it or more is analog saturation in the box, but in parallel. So I use like sound, big shout out to sound toys, sound toys, decapitator. Um, we, uh, you know, I use that parallel mode like all the time. So I'll like turn it down the mix knob. I'll push it till I see the meter hitting like, let's say minus three, mm. and then I'll slowly bring it up. And I'll switch between like, you know, all the different, uh, you know, the yeah, Ampeg, types, the yeah. EMI, the Neve, all that. And uh, then I find it and I kind of blend it in and then I can play with it a little bit, like with the fader and it's, I mean, it's, it's uh, a lot of it is analog saturation. So it's not super clean, you know, um, I, I, but it definitely helps me with electronic music because yeah. what happens is when I get the rough mixes, I think that whole idea that I think in the beginning producers weren't open in electronic music to having their stuff mixed. Takes the vibe they, away sometimes. It absolutely does. And you have to be very careful. Mm. It's actually funny because, you know, um, that's Justin and I, I, I started working with him on his hello clouds album and he ended up finishing it because yeah. I, I didn't do what I, I actually learned from Justin what not to do. And yeah. we're still like very close friends mm. because at the time it was weird. And like, I didn't, no one knew really. So he sent me his files and I mixed it, not knowing that the right, then when he came to New York, he's like, you know what? I like the way I process the drum group. Can we just import the drum group in there? Yeah. And you run it through your master and see what that sounds like, mm. you know? And then I realized, just give me your stuff the way that you hear it. Yeah. By the time your faders are at zero, that's your mix. Mm. Now I'm going to go next level. Yeah. And that that's, that's what I learned, you know? So, um, but with electronic now, people are more hip to it because mm. they realize like a few years ago when, you know, Calvin Harris had every hit in the summer, mm. um, he, he has an engineer. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Zed has an engineer, yeah. a guy that works full time, you know, like these guys are want to focus on one thing. But what there's a certain click that happens with your engineer that after a while you're looking to them like, is that kick right? Like yeah. I work with um with Patlock a lot. Right. Me and Patlock have been working together for years on his Katsune, uh releases. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. And we um in the beginning, the first record we did, it was like. You know, he sent me his stuff and whatever. And through the through throughout a few months, we realized like he would start telling me, like, you know, he'd start sending me things ahead of time. What do you think of this kick? You think I need to add another kick? Do you think you can work with this? And we started kind of vibing like yeah. that. And then the mixing got so much easier. And that's when they became like four or five hour mixes or less, because mm. it was like I kind of like was part of that from the beginning. Part of the crew, yeah. Yeah, and that's the fun part. I think that's about that's the relationship though, isn't it? It's um with Andy that does my mastering. I send it to him and and I'm like I'm not sure about this part of the mix. Can you listen to it and let me know what you think? And he'll come back and be like, "Yeah, drop out 5k with like 1q like by minus 2db." And then I'd be like, that's it. That's exactly what I needed. But sometimes I, and I know a lot of people just need that extra pair of ears to just it like. It takes a village. Yeah, totally. 
it takes a village, man. Everyone, it's like uh, I, the, the the analogy I use is the reason there's a CEO and a CFO and a COO, mm. and you know what I'm saying, like because the CEO doesn't know accounting as well as the CFO. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's the one thing that I spoke about on the last episode of the podcast with Reset Robot is that the electronic industry does not understand that, especially the underground. They do not understand that you sometimes need to have the, the more cooks in the kitchen, the better the food comes out to a certain yeah, you, extent. And you can benefit greatly yeah. from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not just on the mastering end, because mastering is just going to bring up, you know, I, I mean, you have an ear, so you don't have issues, but there's people that will be like, I don't understand. Mastering just doesn't sound different than mine, just louder. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well they're not there to fix your mix, no. you know, like, yeah. you know, you got to get it mixed and all of that, you know, cause sometimes I get records and they'll send me three kick drums and I'll drop out one of them. They'll be like, yo, my kick sounds so fat. What did you do to it? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I dropped that one out and just added a little bit of like our bass, just like yeah. literally that's hitting like half a DB. Mm. And there it is. There's the weight. And they're like, oh, so I didn't need a third kick drum. And I'm like, no. If, yeah. Again, it goes back to that thing is that less is more. Less say. is always more, yeah. man. It's all about the sound design. If you can design your sounds meticulously, that should be the vibe of the record. I'm mm. just enhancing it. I'm just creating like the way that I look at it is I'm adding a little bit of height with yeah. with 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 EQ, a little bit of weight with EQ, mm. and I'm adding the front to back dimensions. So that's sometimes putting like a little amount of reverb here, blending it with another reverb here, maybe putting a delay to splash it out to the left a little yeah. bit, like a quick delays. Like there's so many, like what I'm doing is I'm like a surgeon trying to get to the heart without touching anything else. Yeah. Right. Like without like cutting an artery by mistake. Well, that I love a that. Really good thing. I like that. I like that. Oh, I shit. Love- I'm going to put that, that in the descri- description. <laughs> No, I I totally agree, man. And uh, I, the whole process to me is really fascinating. And I'd love to build a room where I can kind of like really home in on that as well. Get in on that Detroit market, son. Yeah. Better get a warehouse. That's the way to go. Yeah, man. There's dope. a big studio out there. Uh, There's a bunch. I follow them on Instagram. Royal Royal House, I think it's called. Uh Look them up. I'm pretty sure it's Royal House Recording. They have an SSL. I mean, that's a complex. They have a indoor. They have indoor basketball. It's ridiculous. Look it up. Royal House Studio, Detroit. Found it. Uh, Royal House Recording. Yeah. There it is. Jim. Where is that? Go, go meet them. Where Look at that it? studio. It might be one of the sickest studios in the country. Looks very hip hop. Looks yeah. very American. I I don't like studios like that anymore, no, Will. Neither. Like honestly, like I I'm trying to get the band if it once this co- hopefully once this COVID thing subsides some and people can travel. I want to do an album where we rent a house with the rock band and like do some red hot chili peppers Rick Rubin style on Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Just rent a mansion. So can I t- my my dream uh in I've I've set a goal to when I'm 40, for when I'm 40 to build where I live in the UK in Somerset. It's like the middle of nowhere. Like it's just, I love that. It's countrysides. Um, and my one of my goals is to buy a plot of land, build a house, 
and build a studio with a, like sleeping quarters on have like a big live room have um the engineer room and uh have like an out a couple of outhouses so people can stay like three bedrooms or four bedrooms whatever um like a nice kitchen and just allow people to rent it for like a month long that's that's a great idea because that's yeah. I, I literally was talking about doing that in woodstock at some point in a few years mm. like i want to i want to do it because airbnbs are crazy out yeah. here now yeah and they will be because people are going to start traveling more mm. you know yeah i just i just want to be able to there, there's you should check i don't you might know it devon analog studios in the uk oh i know them i follow them on uh on instagram wait yeah. is that the one no no, no, no. There's one that that they have an SSL that faces a field. Oh uh, um, yeah, that's not Devon. Delta or de, 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 starts with a D. Um, okay. I'll, I'll I'll send it to you later. Yeah, you got to see it. it. It's it's. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's in a farm or something. Yeah, Devon Devon Analog is in Devon in the UK, and a guy called Tristan that runs it. I, I need to get him on on the podcast. Um, but it's a. Uh, it's all analog and it's very electronic driven, very electronic. That's, that's dope. See yeah. uh, that, that to me, if you're going to build a room for me, you can do it two ways. You can spend all this money on a crazy old console yeah. or you, you create a bad, badass digital system. And then you get like, you build out a bunch of lunch boxes and some cool pieces of analog pre's and compressors yeah and you just get the color and you have different colors so you're not tied to like a console here you go let me let me send you this quickly yeah i want to see this uh, i'm gonna text it to you now um here we go it's it's a beautiful studio there you go just text oh, it. hold on i'm looking right I'm going to be jealous. Oh, I like the outside already. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, my God. Anybody that's listening, go to Devon underscore analog underscore studio. Oh, sick. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm nerding. This dude, like, has everything in here. Like, Oh, my everything. God. Look at this room. Yeah. See, that's my vibe. Yeah. That's dope. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to have like a live room on that as well. Hold on. I'm following. Boom. Dunzo. Oh, that's so cool. It's dope, isn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> if anyone just tuned into the podcast now, it just sounds like we're, this is like a porno and it's, it's studio porn. No, it's definitely not. It's studio porn. But yeah, they use head as well. They have head, head yeah, monitors. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. They're, they're really good. And because you're out there right now, like it's they're it, they're good people, man. They really are. They're, they're phenomenal. And they, they like give a shit about mixing. Like mm. that's the thing. Like they really do. And they're very accessible and they're doing very well right now. Yeah. That stuff does look great. It looks really good. You probably could demo a pair. I'm sure I can make that happen for you. Type 20 or the... Well, it depends what you 30. want. You want the bigger ones? What's the... I want low end. They have subs now. Yeah, I fucking... I don't, I don't like working on the subs. I really? Always, I always find they're a delay. 
Always finding a delay. Look, I, it depends. You should. I'll link you with him. I'll link you with him. Yeah, that'd be you great. can ask him all these questions because he might tell you that he has because they have a plugin that you put on the master that uh, time uh, does time. Is it called time delay? There's like a certain term that they use where they align they align the speakers. Yeah, and they have that. So I don't know if there's some new technology that he did, but the the subs just came out. So is the Type Twenty? Type 20 might be too small for you. Yeah. Depends what you want. And the Type 30 is bigger than the Type 20, right? Oh, fuck yeah. Those are the ones that look like the Atoms, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even though they're the OG anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they're really... I mean, I love these Type 20s. They're stunning. Oh, man. They're absolutely I need. I, the thing is, I need to stop looking at it because I'm like, I haven't played a show in nearly a year and haven't earned know, money in about a I year. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm like, I, I'm starting to see it, man. I'm starting to see, like, some DJ clients of mine are like, uh, anyone recommend good monitors for mixing? I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, motherfuckers ain't, they're not touring. <laughs> Literally. I, I forgot uh, how easy some people would, like, I always thought, like, you know, all my electronic clients, man, that was the, that's the fun part. They When shows are going, nobody has a problem, like, paying, you know what I mean? Mm. They, like, no problem. They're like, oh, I'm doing about 300 shows this year. No worries. <laughs> you know, you can mix, like, a few singles. I'm like, great, you know? Now nobody's touring, and they're like, we don't make money off live stream, you know? Yeah, we make barely any money off streaming. Yeah, I know that. It's awful. I know. It's, it's definitely, but positive, Will. It's all coming back. I heard you on the last podcast. You were being a little neggy about that. You can't have that. Shows are coming back, Will. Shows are coming back. But it's not going to be... It's going to be a while. I think till it's really back to normal, like 100% for sure. But I don't know about a while, while. I think by the end of this, end of this year, we'll be back. Definitely. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I, 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 I think September. I'm, that I'm hoping for some... Mm. Noah has a normal first grade because this yeah, is, man. it's been remote all week, man. I'm surprised he hasn't <laughs> ran in here and made a guest <laughs> appearance because he usually does. You know, what's really dope is they have this program now, five years old, man. And they, they have a, 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 it's, they basically learn about sequencing. They learn about, um, uh, like, tonalities and stuff yeah like the spectrograph they learn about tempo they basically have like a fruity loop sequencer no way uh, bro he's he calls me in the room yesterday and he's like daddy i made a beat i'll send you the video later on a side note you got to see it it's, it's amazing <laughs> he made so like a, it, and, it, and it's actually a rhythm like he figured out like oh if i move this it sounds better if i put the kick here it sounds better than here he's five that's amazing bro Come on, man. I was playing clarinet in fourth grade. You think, you think I was like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then I switched to saxophone when I realized that it wasn't cool to play the clarinet. Oh, I love that. Technology, man. That's so good. Dude, we've just done an hour and 25 minutes. I know. I told you. You got to shut me up. No, I love it. I could talk all day, but I've actually got to go out quickly. I know. I got um, to call in 15 minutes. So Let's wrap this motherfucker up. Um, dude, thank you so much. Before we go, how can people follow you? How can people, if they want your mix downs, how can they do all of that? So I can be reached at. My email is ariel, A-R-I-E-L, at arielborjo.com. And uh, Instagram, I'm um, mixed by Ariel. Uh, 
You could find me on Twitter and my website is just arielborjo.com. I, I have like a, a list of like playlist of my mixes on all the three, on the three major platforms. You could check out some of my work, some information. I usually update the blog recently. I haven't, um, but uh, some cool new records that just came out. I just worked on uh, Magician's new mixtape that dropped. I, I mixed two cuts on that. Sick. Um, so it's been, uh, it's right. So there's my electronic. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's cool, man. But this was, this was a blast, man. Dude, I'm, thank I'm like, you. Thank yeah, you so like much. a good way to wake up with my coffee and Will Clark. And, I know, right? And the, coffee and Will Clark in the morning. Join <laughs> us, folks. That's like a radio show, I think. Um, dude, I can't wait to hang out with you. Um, yeah, man, we, we got to hit up the, as soon as everything's over, man, we, we chilling. I'm, I'm definitely going to visit Detroit at some point. Dude, you, you come and stay with me. More than welcome. Bro, I'm not kidding you. More Don't laugh. I'm definitely taking you on that offer. I, I, I'll mix for a roof. <laughs> You'll be teaching me. I, You'll hey, be man, teaching me. If I'm me. coming out there solo, bro, like you might as well use me for something. You'll be, you'll be teaching me, dude. Um, come on, kiddo. Keep safe. Say hi to the family and Will I'll catch do, you soon. Keep safe. Love you, dude. All right, man. Take care. Peace. And that is a wrap. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I loved it. It was a great conversation. I could have gone on forever. Um, if you enjoyed it, please share with your friends. Hit the like button. Give us a little review and have a great week. Keep safe. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.